Okay, let's go over to the book of John, the fourth chapter. John chapter 4. Or if you're French, Jean. Chapter 4. <laughs> I don't know how to say chapter or 4 in French. In, in Francais. John chapter 4, we began a series a couple of weeks ago. This series is called True Worship. True Worship, meaning there can be and is fake worship or false worship. But we're going to get our, our, our true worship on. Anybody up for this today? Let's begin here and read our, our, our text. Jesus was talking with this woman at a well. It, it, it begins in verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we can see what the Lord is communicating to her about her ignorance and misunderstanding of what true worship is. He was basically saying that, uh, well, as far as going back, you were wrong, the Jews were right, (laughs) as far as this mountain or in Jerusalem. He said, but that's really not going to matter so much anymore. Because now the time, the time is coming and now is, meaning He is there and He is changing everything. Where true worship would not be about the mountain, would not be about the city, would not be about certain localities, but would be about the way that one worships. And the location, if anything, references the spirit of man. You're going to worship me in spirit. You're going to worship the Father in spirit. And so it's not about where you go, per se, but it is about your relationship with the Father. Everybody with me today? Now, I know sometimes we probably get this wrong even in our own lives. Many of you, many people in our, uh, you know, our world today, if someone asks them, so, where do you worship? Many would answer that with the name of their church. Well, I worship at Life Church. Well, what that does is, is says to me that you think like this woman. You think pre-Christ. You think about this relationship and this worship experience incorrectly. You don't like me saying that right off from the beginning, do you? Just right from the beginning, tell me where I'm wrong. (laughs) Well, listen, it's not necessarily about that being incorrect that we do worship here together and that we worship in certain locations. But if that's the definition... And if that's the extent of what worship is to me and my practice and my involvement in it, then absolutely I'm wrong. I have an Old Testament mindset. I've got to go here to worship. I've got to go there to worship. No, I just have to worship in here. I need to worship in the Spirit. And where can I do that? Where ought I to do that? Anywhere? Everywhere? You know, the Bible said of those first believers, the disciples of the Lord, when He ascended... It says that they went out everywhere 
and preached the word. And the Lord confirmed the word with signs following, right? But where did they go? They went everywhere. They didn't just go to church to preach. They went everywhere to preach. Where did the Lord work with them? He worked with them everywhere. Well, why is that? Well, because he's everywhere. You know, even Paul wrote to Timothy. And he said, I desire that men everywhere would lift up holy hands. Would pray everywhere. They, they would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Where should they pray? Someone said, well, where do you pray? Well, I pray it. I pray at Life Church. Well, quit. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, quit just praying here. Quit just worshiping here. Let worship be your life. And this is a picture. You can see what Jesus is saying here about, uh, 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 about, about these things. That uh, it's not just about a location. It's not just to be an event. It is to be a lifestyle. It is to be everywhere we go. Praise the Lord. You know, I don't want to be one who's praising God at church and cussing God on the job. Huh? Because he's not more here than he is there. He's everywhere. And sometimes the, the, the trouble people have is an inconsistency of, of a lifestyle of worship. And they just get their worship on from time to time. And then they go back to themselves. And they go back to life. And their times of worship, their times of prayer and shouting and praise and glorifying Him are far less than what they could be if they would recognize that He's always there. That He's always present. And in the Spirit, I worship Him continually. I have a relationship with God. And that relationship is worship. I remember hearing a a man of God, John Osteen, years ago. He said he was uh, one time at a car lot looking to buy a car, talking with a car salesman. And he said this car salesman was just going off and uh, just blankety blank 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 and and just letting them rip cussing and and everything and he uh, John was there you know listening to that for a little bit and then finally the guy stopped and he started saying praise God hallelujah thank you Jesus glory to God hallelujah <laughs> and and the guy didn't know what to do with that and he and and so John looked at him and he said I demand equal time. You're going to curse him? I'm going to praise him. <laughs> I like that. Uh, we were at a restaurant last Sunday after church. And, uh, and we were sitting at our table. And there was uh, another party coming in. Or at least one individual that I remember. Because I could overhear. And the, the hostess was going to seat him. And she was making conversation. And, and I heard her say, So are you celebrating anything today? And... Uh, he said, uh, well, j- just the resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> and I thought, nice job. <laughs> it's my kind of guy. What do you mean? Everywhere. Everywhere. Didn't shut it off when he left the church building. Huh? Didn't shut it off because the music stopped. No, I'm with the Lord all the time. He's always with me. I worship Him with my life. Not just my song, not just my hands, not just my praise, with my life. And those things come out of our, uh, our thoughts. Those things are expressed in our words, absolutely. You know, worship is, is 24-7 devotion to God. Worship is not only what I do. Worship is also what I don't do. When I choose to not go, say, do, 
participate in certain things in this world, you know that glorifies the Lord? Amen. Not only when I choose to say, Father, I love you, I worship you, I serve you all my days. But when I resist the temptations of this world, when I deny the flesh, when I step out in faith, when I refuse to fear, when I refuse to let financial hardship or negative news or a negative health report get me down, I say, Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway because you are my victory and you are my song and you are my joy all day long. Come on. When I, when I let those things drive me, I tell you, that's a life of worship. That's a life of glorifying Him. Hallelujah. And so where do we worship? Everywhere, everywhere. Our times of coming together will be greatly enhanced and take a great leap forward. When? When? It's only an extension of our worship. I remember hearing the testimony of one individual who said uh, he, he, he began to fellowship with the Lord and talk with Him all day long. And he became so conscious of God and his conversations with the Lord were so rich. He said about his own life, he said, when I went to times of prayer, they were no different than when I was just out and about. In other words, he didn't get to a place where now I'm going to pray. He was always praying. And those kinds of consecrated prayer with others and so forth were just a continuation of what he did all through his life. What is the potential? Of our relationship with God? It's a good question. Amen. So, now, we see because there's true worship, Jesus identified it and said, this is what the Father's looking for. There must be false worship. We also read that there is vain worship. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I want to look at these scriptures again uh, that we read to you last time. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. I want to talk about the heart of worship. You see, uh, what God looks for most in our worship is our hearts. This is more important than any kind of physical demonstration. He's looking inwardly. He's looking at a place that we as a general rule cannot see. We cannot look at each other and measure the, the depth of, of heart involved in someone's relationship with God in their worship. Um, we cannot uh, uh, accurately identify that. That's why we're told not to judge each other because we don't see. But I'm telling you, God does see the heart. And he does look, not just on the external, but he looks inwardly. And uh, Jesus said this. He was quoting Isaiah. He, he said, Mark 7, verse 6, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So, so, so there's vain worship, and it results from being connected to the commandments of men. Now, I'm going to come back to that. I want to also give you Isaiah 29. This is what Jesus was quoting here. Isaiah 29 and 13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandments of men. Now, now let's think about this language of vain worship. Okay, vain worship. Not, not V-E-I-N, but V-A-I-N. Vain. Because you might want to get into a good vein, but you don't want to be vain in that place. Right. Vain, I looked this word up, it means with self in mind. Excessively proud or, uh, proud of or concerned about one's own appearance, qualities, 
achievements, and so forth. Vain worship. And I think, how could that come into play in my own life? What I would say I'm worshiping, if I am doing so with self in mind, then it wouldn't be true worship to the Lord. It would be vain worship. Many people, I'm going to put this in three categories right here. Many people attempt to worship God, number one, the way man has said, according to their tradition. Okay, again, fearing the commandments of men. We're getting this from these, these verses. The way that man has said to do it. Tradition. Now, tradition is not always bad. Some traditions can be very good. But how many know when traditions displace the commands of God, the ways of God, the Word of God, then they become a problem, right? And lest any of us think that this only applies to other people, there are traditions in church denominations, there are traditions in charismatic circles, there are, there are traditions in non-denominational churches. I think all people should keep their antenna up to watch out for this. Because it is human history and practice to replace power with uh, procedure. with Replace living presence with just a formula, with just a, um, a repeat of certain activity. You know what I'm talking about? It happened this way once before. The Spirit of God came on me. Oh, and I danced before the Lord and it was glorious. I know, but the next service you danced and the Spirit didn't come on you. What's up with that? (laughs) Sorry. That was unplanned. What I'm saying is many times people take what happened... In a move, as a, a, a spontaneous move of the Spirit of God in their life at a time, and then they repeat it without the Spirit. And then, if we don't watch it, we then take that, that activity and we make it expected for others. Then, if you carry it out, it becomes required. And it becomes the commandment of men. And then those who follow that commandment of men feel like they are doing business with God and their relationship with God is great and it's all based on some outward thing that lacks heart and it lacks spirit involvement. Amen. And so there is, there is that. Vain worship, it's according to tradition and we all should watch out. To see where we're at. Secondly, vain worship has to do with being conscious of self. When I, if I'm, if my worship and my life lived for the Lord is just a matter of being conscious of myself, then in that situation, um, again, that's not God honoring. Number three, it is fearing man. It is fearing man. Again, the scriptures talk about uh, obeying the, being taught to fear. Let me read it right. Their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. All right. Is what we do determined by what we think other people expect us to do? Or do we avoid doing things that we think others will look down on us for? Have you ever not worshipped God in, in any area of your life because of what 
people observing you might think or say to you. I can remember as a teenager, uh, at, at, by heart, moving, moving me, the Spirit of God moving me to worship God outwardly and openly. I mean, in church. I mean, that should be safe. I can remember the Spirit of God moving on me to lift up my hands. And at the, at the beginning, thinking, I was so self-conscious, thinking, people are watching me and, you know, people are looking at me. And, and I pushed through that, thank God I did, and now I don't care what people think. <laughs> in regards to that and and did for a long time but I had to move beyond this self-conscious thing move beyond this I'm not going to do it because you know other teenage friends might not think I'm cool they might think I'm like saved (laughs) or whatever you know I had this uh this young lady and when when I was a youth pastor uh she came to me she was going to her first day of high school it was 10th grade this this high school started with 10th grade and she told me, she said, I'm, I need to do something. I need to, I need to do something in the cafeteria at lunch uh, to let everyone know I'm a Christian. And she, so she asked me if I would come. I said, yes, I will. I'll come to lunch with you at the high school, the cafeteria, and I'll support you. She told me what she was going to do. And I didn't tell her to do it. I didn't tell her she needed to do it. But she told herself. She felt like she was supposed to. So she, she went in, we went into lunch at air, you know, big, big, big high school. A lot of people in there. Everyone's eating lunch. She gets up on the table. Attention, everybody. Can I get everyone's attention? <laughs> she did. She said, I just want to let everybody know I'm a Christian. And uh, you need help. You need a friend. You need someone to pray for you. That would be me. And uh, thank you. Go on. Enjoy your lunch. <laughs> now, and I cheered her on. Woo! <laughs> and... Uh, well, what was she doing? Well, besides following what she believed she was supposed to do, she's overcoming the fear of man. Saying, I'm not going to back down. I'm just going into high school, and this is who I am. This is who I serve. And so you've got to applaud someone who will do something like that. But I think when people exit vain worship, what needs to take place is humility. It takes humility to truly worship God. We should not do certain things because others are watching, nor not do them because, uh, because, because they're watching. Let, let me give you a, a few misconceptions regarding worship, all right? Misconceptions. I want to give you five. Number one, you must have music to worship God. Worship only takes place with music. Amen. <laughs> How many know that's not true? Now, is music a God thing? Absolutely. We find it in Scripture, New Testament, Old. Music is a wonderful thing. It's going to fill heaven and, uh, and does. And, uh, and we love music. Is it necessary to have music to worship God? It's not. I've done many services. Many of you have been a part of believers' meetings I've done. Uh, lately, we use music more often. But in the past, I've done a lot of believers' meetings where we just, we'll stand there and worship God for a half hour, no music. And the presence of God goes, bam. <laughs> You know, and things happen, and people are ministered to, and God speaks, and just powerful things uh, transpond. How, how many know Jesus didn't walk around with a band? <laughs> Everywhere he went. All right, guys, plug in, you know. Get tuned up. Get ready to go. We've got to have a meeting today. We're going to have some healing. If we're going to have any healings, we've got to have a worship. got to have the right music. Now, he seemed to get by without it. 
But at the same time, we notice that God does anoint music in the Old Testament. The prophet called for a minstrel, and it helped that anointing, and, and it's, a, it's something that, that is of God. But for us to think, well, it's all about, um, you know, you got to have music to really worship God. No, you don't. No. No. In fact, don't go too far with this, where, it, you know, if you don't enjoy the particular song, or style of the song that you refuse to worship as a result of it. I know you would never tell anyone that you're not going to do it. You're not going to worship God now. Maybe you won't. Maybe you will. <laughs> Don't. Be bigger than that. Huh? Someone else, it's helping him. Music is just a vehicle. It helps you get from here to there. Now, hopefully you get, you know, our goal is to have good and right and, you know, help people get from here to there. But if it's not doing it for you, Close your eyes and lift your hands and go into the presence of God anyway. Instead of being ha- having an attitude. I don't like this. Someone else does. Be happy for them. And maybe if you sow that seed, it'll come back around and you'll, they'll, they'll do a song that they hate and you love. But I'm saying we can worship God independent of certain things like that. But they're there to help us and we'll use them to the best of our ability. Here, here's another one. Uh, number two, slow music is more spiritual than fast music. <laughs> slow music is more spiritual. I think this is actually a ditch that modern churches and charismatics have gotten into uh, to where, you know, you don't do any, any upbeat stuff because it's, and it's all contemplative, meditative, you know, worship. It's the kind of song you want to kneel and tears down your face and I worship God and, and that kind of stuff. And, and I think that kind of stuff is wonderful. But the absence of a celebratory atmosphere of worship is not New Testament. We live in the victory. We we are to sing and shout. We are to praise God and have victory all about. We are to have joy in our face and joy in our heart. And really the greatest part of our expression of glorifying the King, glorifying Jesus, it is celebration. The biggest part is not, oh, just you know, humbling ourselves and, and you know, and, and that, that atmosphere. Now, that's part of it. But the biggest part is Jesus is already raised from the dead. I mean, I mean, he's glorified when we talk about that a lot. And we say it again and again and again. So, some say, I just really like the slow stuff. Fine. Like the rest, too. It might be more God than you think. It might be, it would be totally okay to go a couple weeks and not have any slow stuff. I know some of you would balk at it. Ah, I can't really enter in. Well, good thing there's more time in your life than 20 minutes at church, huh? Have an opportunity to enter in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, don't throw any rocks at me or anything. You guys got that, that look. You're messing with my worship. <laughs> Another one is, is God didn't show up unless it was wild. Unless it's really just, woo You know, you can hardly, you know, and people are excited and shouting and, and running around and everything. Then if it wasn't that, then God really wasn't there. No, no, there's different moves. There's different flows. 
There's different ways that the Spirit of God will move us at different times in a corporate setting. And, and, and it's not, about, not all about that. Here's another one. Number four, the words of a song don't matter. It's all about the heart. Now, I, I realize I'm saying this in connection with, in context of teaching about worshiping from the heart. But I will tell you this. That's a mis, misnomer to think, oh, it doesn't matter what the words are as long as your heart is involved. It matters what the words are. It does. So many songs are written. I'm talking 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and this year. (laughs) Throughout the different genres of music, there are songs written, and they are full of unbelief. They are full of things that are contrary to the victory that we have in Christ. And they and it hinders what God can do because we're reinforcing those wrong beliefs in our own heart and therefore our expression in worship to God. So it does. I've been many places where I've visited. I'm not going to be a problem. I, I, I want to have a heart right for God and not be an issue. But I've gone through services where I'm singing the song, not singing that line. I'll sing the next line. <laughs> And I don't tell anyone, I'm not going to be, uh, ruin it for anyone else, but you know, why would, I want to, why would I want to sing something that I have a revelation of the opposite of that? And just because that musician and that songwriter were very talented and very creative, doesn't mean it's correct. Amen. Now, and the, while I'm saying this, we realize God uses imperfect people with imperfect doctrine. I'm an example of that. All right? God will anoint preachers that don't say everything right. Because they don't know everything. No one knows everything. No one's right about everything. You know? And so I'm not going to let this be the hobby horse that we just live on. Uh, But we should pay attention in our own worship uh, and how we express these things to God that we're worshiping in truth. That what I'm saying to Him and about Him, I'm saying to Him is, is accurate, it's correct. And it's not just old covenant, it's new covenant. Here's another one, number five. Some of you aren't going to like this one, but hold on. The expression, this is a misnomer, misconception, the expression of worship is just about an individual's preference. Well, it's all about whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, that's worship. No, worship is about whatever God wants us to do. Worship should be about His preference, not about our preference. Well, I don't like. Well, so what? Well, yeah, but I like it. Well, who cares? It's just a thought. Maybe we ought to say, Lord, you like this? And if he says, yeah, I like that. I do too. Well, that's not really my style. You like it, Lord? Yep, that's my style. In other words, we're quick to adapt. Whenever we find out we're, we're, we're going contrary to the Lord in any way, we adapt to him. Hallelujah. And so, you know, sometimes people say, well... I just believe that everything is worship. Well, no, that wouldn't be accurate. That wouldn't be accurate. Everything's worship? No, not everything is worship. The Lord never said that. I should worship everywhere and with my whole life. But if I want to do things that are pleasing to Him, I should get His mind on the subject. Lord, what do you like? What do you want? Well, I just think whatever someone will, however they can express themselves, Well, I think there's another thing to be considered here, too, is private, individual 
by myself time with the Lord and corporate time with the Lord. How many know Scripture teaches us that, um, that when we come together, we're not just mindful of ourselves, but we're mindful of those around us. 1 Corinthians 14 says we seek to edify the church, not just personal edification. Huh? And if I'm, all I think seek is personal edification, that's, why, that's one reason why people get out of God's will and they get out of God's place. He assigns them and directs them to be connected to a certain part of His body and family and, and church, and they depart and get out of the place that they're supposed to be because of their preferences. Because of me. When it really should be about others. Huh? Well, you know, and so the idea that, well, when we come together, one person's going to paint a picture in the corner. One other person's going to do ballet across the front. And another person's going to run with a flag. And hope, you know, I have a story about that. But... Someone getting hit in the head and bleeding from flag worship in church. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and then in other words, everyone just do whatever you want. Well, what that could be is chaos. What that could be is a distraction to someone else. I'm kind of going further than I want here, but I think it could be a, a distraction when when Susie Charismatic goes off shrilling in other tongues next to the guy who's had his first time in church. Woo! And she's just feeling it, though. And the person who first time came to church thinking, what did I get myself into? And when the altar call comes around, they're just trying to recover. Everybody okay so far? You have to love me because it's required. <laughs> You're not saved if you don't. So I don't want to come with, with the attitude that, well, we're in here, everything, which is whatever I want to do. No, whatever glorifies Him, and really in a corporate setting, is then not a distraction to other people, but is helping them at the same time to meet with the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so, there's an anointing on different expressions of worship, no doubt. We see a lot of them in Scripture. We have testimony after testimony of people in here being healed as they worship God. I mean, nothing called out, nothing said, nothing prayed for. Just glorify the Lord, worship God. And they come up, and their pains are gone. And their, their, their bodies are well. And things are changing. Isn't it a good thing? I mean, God gets involved with this. He absolutely does. I want to give you a couple of Scriptures uh, about the heart. First uh, Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7 reads this way. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks outward. The Lord looks where? Heart. That's, talk, that's talking about then David, who was anointed king. And it says, uh, it's referenced in Acts 13 and 22. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. I think the Lord is still looking for that. He's still bottom line. It's not fo- the, the focus is not on the outward. The focus is on the inward. The focus is, is on what's going on inside of you as you live your life. As we worship like this, as we worship in a corporate setting, absolutely. What's going on on the inside, on your job and in your marriage and in, in, wherever you go? 
What's going on on the inside? Are, are you a heart person? Your heart is after God. Is it possible to have a right heart and wrong actions? And then flip that around. Is it possible to have right actions with a wrong heart? Both of these are true. In fact, let me give you two scriptures. You can turn or just jot these down for your reference. Two things that, that show this very thing. It, it's 1 Kings, 15, uh, 1 Kings 5 and 14. Talking about Asa. Asa was a king, a good king. Said, but the high places, talking about his life. Now, the high places were not removed. Now, those had to do with, with idol worship, and they were bad. But during his reign, during his life, the high places were what? Not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. Now, that's interesting. He didn't do everything right, didn't, do, didn't take care of everything, but his heart was right. Who made that call? That's what God said about him. Others may not have said it, I don't know. But God said, His heart is right with me. Is it possible that there are people in here today that don't have a perfect life, haven't taken care of everything that they, that, that, that they should, but yet their heart is still right with God? Their heart is perfect? I think so. And I tell you, God values that. Don't let it be, don't, don't think about yourself. Well, I don't have this act to get my act totally together in this area. Or I'm still missing it over here. And so, well, listen, where's your heart? Be honest before God because, you know, people may, people don't know. People may judge you wrong. God will get it right. And if your heart is right with Him, you know that and He knows that. And then in the process of time, these things will work outward and take care of other things that you need to deal with. But if your heart is right with God, He's accepting your worship from that condition. And then 2 Chronicles 25, 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 2, this is Amaziah, all right? Verse 2 says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. See that? What was going on in his life? Everything right. He was doing it all good. If you got the commentary from everyone else, his approval ratings were high. He is doing it right. This guy is living for God. But the Lord saw something a little bit deeper. He said, no, he's not. He's not doing it with the right heart. Amen. These are the things that matter with the Lord. These are the things that only we can change and alter inside of us. The heart issue. Out of that flows good things. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We get the right thing on the inside. How many know eventually it's going to happen on the outside? And so we want to deal with the inside. Jesus made this statement about the vain worshiper. He said, their heart is far from me. They say it. They sing it. They, they, they do these things, they pray it, but their heart is far from me. If we were to uh, look at ourselves and say, okay, today, as I'm worshiping the Lord in church, as I'm singing praises to Him, where's my heart? Is it also on Him or is it on something else? And don't get me wrong, I think we've all been distracted. I mean, I've been distracted, you've been distracted, we've, we've sang the song thinking about something else, Right? But that's, not really, that's, where we want, that's what we want to get away from, isn't it? 
We want to get away from that. I know Keith Moore used to say, what if everyone had a TV screen on their forehead during church? You know, and you could see what everyone was, what was playing in everyone's mind as they sing, I worship you, almighty God. And then they got, I don't know what they got going on there. Football. (laughs) Or a myriad of things. Again, we've all been there, but let's do this. When it comes to our, our time of communicating our praise and adoration to the Lord, Let's get our mind involved. Remember, we talked to you about this already. True worship is connected to the renewing of the mind. When I think right, and my mind is able to be focused on Him, this glorifies the Lord. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, and they were thinking about something else? (laughs) Well, we've all done that to the Lord too, haven't we? (laughs) Amen. Have you ever stopped right in the middle of a prayer? And said, Lord, I'm, not, I'm going to stop talking to you right now because I'm not even thinking about you while I'm talking to you. Might as well tell him because he knows. And then really then when you were telling him, that's when you were thinking about him. That's when your prayer became more powerful. You know, and sometimes, you know, you find yourself, you just want to bam, bam, just slap yourself upside the head and, and, and say, knock it off. You're worshiping God now. Now get in here. Get in. Let's do this. Let's not waste this time. This is holy. This is precious to Him. God's looking for the heart of worship. That's, that's motive. That's intent. That's honor. It's also focus. And I think when we've got it going on right there, hmm, that's when good things happen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we love You today. We're so thankful for Your Spirit working in us and through us, around us, everywhere. Lord, You're all around us. Thank You for Your presence. Your presence both here now in this building. Lord, as we go, as we live our lives, we thank you for the we thank you for your presence. We seek to live our lives as an offering presented to you. To worship you in spirit and truth. Father, I thank you for all the hearts here today. Genuine, authentic hearts that are here because they desire you to glorify you to live for you they're they're looking to you for help and answers in time of need father thank you for working in us now that you may then from that point work through us i pray and ask that each one would hear your voice have an experience with you and out of that place They'd represent you well. Father, thank you for touching our hearts today and working in our midst. Thank you for bodies being healed, minds being restored, marriages coming back together, addictions being broken, the unemployed getting jobs. Thank you for prosperity and abundance. Lord, you're merciful and you're kind and you're gracious, gracious to all who would call on you. We call upon your name today and we are saved. We thank you for helping us. Be glorified in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.